Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Over the next hour, you'll have the opportunity to listen to Cynthia Hyatt, an internationally recognized therapist and life management expert in private practice with offices in Phoenix and Scottsdale. As a captivating communicator, Cynthia engages, energizes, and inspires her audiences to become all God created them to be. For more information on Cynthia's diverse background, log on to CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Let the next 60 minutes inspire, motivate, and encourage you to become your own best version. Now, here's Cynthia. Well, welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, and it's nice to have you today listening to the show and sharing some of this information with you. So I'm always glad when you join me. And we've had lots of things go on. My goodness, we had the elections. We had Thanksgiving. We're getting ready to move into really, truly Christmas time. So we're going to do some Christmas shows in maybe about a month or so. But the next two weeks, we're going to spend some time on emotions and feelings and Primarily, we're going to talk today just about emotions in general and what emotions and feelings really are about. What do we do with those darned emotions that we have? Sometimes we like the feelings we have. Majority of the time, I think we don't like our feelings. So I think this will be a really helpful show just in really understanding what feelings are about, what emotions are about, and how we manage them and why God gave them to us. So... I want you to think about this, that life in a fallen world means that pain is inevitable. And, you know, a great majority of of humans spend their entire life not trying to feel pain, managing pain, getting away from pain, doing everything they can to not have pain. And many times the pain that they're having is emotional. It's their feelings. And so, unfortunately, we really can't get away from our feelings. And... If you've ever experienced that compulsion or that tendency to just want to, oh, get away from that feeling, I wish I didn't have to have this feeling, I think you'll really understand and appreciate this show. So I came across this statement in a book called Understanding People, and that is that life in a fallen world means that pain is inevitable. And our country was founded by very brave people that took huge risks and did what the rest of the world thought might be impossible. And it was very heroic. And now, of course, we have our problems, but I fear we've lost some of that heroism. That The tendency we have is to always move away from pain. And, and we become a weakened society in that we don't understand the difference between hurt and harm. And we have begun to combine those two so that we actually think Getting our feelings hurt means that we're being harmed. Now, that does not mean that people are not being harmed. That's what I've been doing my, pretty much my entire adult life, is helping people that have been harmed and helping people learn how to also, at the same time, deal with hurt feelings. And so there is a big difference between hurt and harm. Harm is dangerous. Harm is generally illegal, immoral, unethical, all, all those biggies. Hurt, on the other hand, oftentimes emanates from harm. But hurt doesn't always mean harm. So it seems that most Americans are more interested in avoiding pain at any cost. And we really do not like unpleasant feelings. Trust me, I'm one of them. 
But I have found that in order to be the best version of myself, the person that God truly created me to be, I must be fully human. And one of the basic human things is to feel. Actually, that's part of what just being a mammal is. We know that animals have feelings to one degree or another. We don't know how um, cognizant they are of them, or if they understand them, we know they're motivated by, by pain, and they like to be happy, and they, they have also upset feelings of one form or another. So it's kind of part of just being a mammal. So one of the things that I find is it's very prevalent in my practice is that not only do we want to have pleasant feelings all the time, but we have also become afraid of our own emotions. So when I treat people with anxiety, and we are just so that you know, next week I'm going to do an entire show on anxiety. Um, I'm going to take a little tangent here for a minute. It used to be in America the predominant mental illness was depression. Now, anxiety has now exceeded that. So we have so many anxious people. And so what happens with anxiety is one of the things I have to work with people on is not being afraid of their own fear or afraid or, or, or fearful of their own anxiety. So we're so afraid to feel anything other than good. And if we do not have emotions, then we can't experience life at all. We can't experience our world. We can't experience successes as well as failures. And so we need obviously to have lots of good feelings. Humans need that, and we've done lots of shows on how we think and how we act, how we behave, how to improve our relationships. Those things give us a lot of good feelings that end up with a really positive emotional state. But you see, the more we try to control what we feel, the more negative feelings we may have. See, we need to not be afraid or angry about our own feelings. And I have people that are mad that they're sad or mad that they're anxious or mad that they're hurt. So when we try to control our feelings to that degree, and I'm not talking about managing our feelings. I'm talking about controlling the feelings that you have, that I don't want to have that feeling, and somehow I think I can control that. We get a lot more negative feelings. I mean, seriously, if I could control my own feelings, wouldn't I be happy all the time? Because the one thing you have to understand about feelings is you don't get to choose them. They're not like our thoughts where we can choose what we think. So when God says, for as a man thinketh a thin, so he is, and, and, and the Lord says to us, take captive every thought, renew your mind with the way that you think, be transformed by how you think, he didn't say anything like that about our feelings. Because our feelings just occur. And they are not a mental issue. They are not a thought. And so the first step in managing emotions is acceptance. I'm not going to judge my feelings regardless of how negative they might be. I'm going to simply accept them and find out what information that feeling is giving me. Because if I don't manage that feeling, it will turn into an emotional state. See, our emotions are a combination of our experience, our thoughts, and our feelings. And that's what emotions are. It's like all of a sudden I'm having a ton of emotions or I'm in an emotional state. And, it's, and the, what is contributing to that emotional state is all the different feelings and thoughts and, and experiences that I may have. So our, our feelings are, are also a part of our survival, and they help us know when we need to protect ourselves. And so if you've heard me do any of the shows on boundaries, we know that 
a high percentage of the time, if I'm feeling angry or anger or insult or feeling offended or these, those types of in that, neg- in that feeling realm, I'm most likely recognizing that a boundary is being broken. Anger is a natural way for me to know that, that a boundary is broken. So they tell us something. If we didn't experience fear, we would all be dead. We wouldn't know what was dangerous. And I was, I was listening to a radio station the other day, and they were interviewing a woman that has a, um, a strange um, Ill, mental illness, uh, feeling state, whatever it may be, that she does not experience fear at all. Her brain does not process fear. She has no fear. So in one way, she was talking about how nice it is because her life is not filled with any anxiety. But she also doesn't always know when to protect herself. One day a man came up accosting her with a gun, and she wasn't afraid. Now, some of that might have helped her not be injured as much as she might have been, but it also incurred some injury because she didn't run away. She didn't yell for help. She didn't do any of those natural things that we would do when we feel fear. So fear, again, just like anger indicates something, fear indicates something. And when we do the show next week on anxiety, we're going to talk about whether or not to believe my fear. That just because I'm afraid doesn't mean there's something to be afraid of. But I have to first listen to the feeling. So in my practice, I often have people that are in such denial about their own pain that they don't know how compromised they are, and they stay in unhealthy and dangerous relationships. They're kind of denying all their feelings about how they feel about what's going on in that relationship. So you have to understand that feelings are similar to the dashboard on my car. If I turn it off because I don't like what it's telling me, so if I unplug whatever circuit from the dashboard, I don't have to see any of the indicators, right? But if I turn off the indicators, I might run out of gas, it might even get more serious. The oil might be gone. I might, my engine might seize. My brakes might go out. I might have a flat tire and not even know it. So what I want you to understand, this is a very important thought, that feelings are neither good or bad. So instead of looking at a feeling as a positive or negative, I want you to look at it as an unpleasant or pleasant feeling. I don't want you to think about it as a right or a wrong feeling. I want you to really reserve judgment about your feelings. I want you to listen to your feelings as an indication. So let's go back to the dashboard on the car. If I know that that I I have a circuit that's out in, in the dashboard, and so the light telling me that my brakes are bad is broken, so it won't turn off. So I ignore it, I ignore it, I ignore it. But what happens if, after a year or two, my brakes really are bad? So we have this tendency to go, oh, well, it's not really true. I'm going to ignore it. I don't feel comfortable about that person. I don't, I don't feel trustworthiness toward, you know, coming from that person. I don't feel like that person is safe, but everybody else likes them. So I'm just going to ignore my gut feeling. I'm going to ignore the dashboard of my gut not going to pay attention to it. Or let's take the example of the smoke detector in your house. How many times have you, smoked, have you set you off the smoke detector? Well, what we want to think about is if my smoke detector starts 
ringing, screaming at me, I don't immediately call 911. The first thing I do is check it out. I find out why is the smoke detector going off. That's what we want to do with emotions. We want to see them as indicators. That they're neither good or bad, right or wrong. They are simply pleasant or unpleasant. And so it's imperative that we recognize we are made in the image of God. And God has really big feelings. And thankfully, he has so much love, so much feeling of love for us, that it overrides his feelings of frustration, hurt, and anger toward us. So this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we talk about emotional management. 1360 KPXQ, Faith Talk. Welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. So glad you joined me today. And I hope that you are going to have a great week. We just had Thanksgiving. I hope it was blessed for you. If not, we're talking about feelings today. So maybe that will help resolve some of the way that you felt about Thanksgiving. So we're talking about this issue of feelings and how we manage feelings and what feelings are for and what they really are. And so we left off in that last segment. And so if you are just tuning in with me right now, make sure you visit the website at, 13, at CynthiaHyatt.com. And there are all the current podcasts. We are also in the process of putting all the podcasts up on the KPXQ website. We'll also be, I think, migrated out to iTunes and a couple of different places so that you can hear the podcasts all the way back to, I believe, 2012. So that's very exciting. So as we talked about the whole idea of emotions and what that really means, we were talking about the dashboard of your car is similar to what our feelings are. Our feelings are indicators to us about something. So if I'm feeling angry, in general, that means probably a boundary has been violated somewhere in my life with whoever it is that I'm interacting with. If I feel fear, anxiety, that may be something is possibly dangerous, possibly uh, distressing, but I can feel anxiety or fear about good things. Like what if I'm getting on a roller coaster? Now I love roller coasters, so I love that feeling. That is different than being in my house late at night, my husband's out of town, and I think somebody's outside walking around the house. That's a different kind of fear. I don't like that fear. So what you want to think about is, it's indicating something. So if I'm getting on a ride, like a roller coaster, I'm going to ignore that fear because nothing dangerous is going to be happening to me. If I think there's a prowler outside of the house, that's not, hel- that, that's not, a, that's not fun fear or anxiety. That's a fear that I need to attend to. So let's take a minute and just really uh, briefly, we're going to talk about what are feelings? What are they really? Well, First of all, they're a basic unit of the human experience. They are unavoidable. They are a part of being human. And we know if we have a human that is somewhat devoid of emotion or is unable to have a feeling or an emotion, there's something wrong with them. We treat them. There's something going on either physiologically, especially neurologically, that 
that they're not having what we would know is basic for every human. So I want you to think about how humans are made in the image of God and that God has feelings. He has very big feelings. We look all through the Old Testament. A lot of the feelings he had in the Old Testament were the, was that of anger. And the, with the advent of Christ, there was the opportunity for God to feel happier feelings toward humans, more love for humans. And that's part of what the, the death and resurrection of Jesus was about, is something had to die for God to be able to have that relationship with humans. Because the sin was so great in the Old Testament, he couldn't get past all the behavior to actually have intimate relationship other than maybe Abraham, Isaac, Elijah, Enoch, many of these, the great prophets. He had, he had true relationship with them. But he wanted relationship with everyone. So he certainly is a God of great emotion. And so when God became flesh, that's who Jesus Christ is, Jesus came to earth as God in the flesh, as a human that was perfect and had feelings because humans have feelings just as God does. And so we see in John chapter eleven thirty-five, 35, says, they said to him, Master, come and see. This is when they're talking about Lazarus being dead. They said, Master, come and see. And Jesus said, wow, he sees this and he wept. And so we see this human emotion. And, it, and the fact that Jesus knew he was raising Lazarus from the dead didn't in any way cause him to stop having the feeling he was supposed to have in the present moment. So he didn't suspend and say, oh, I'm not going to cry about this because I'm going to raise him from the dead, so I don't need, I'm going to circumvent my feeling of sadness. What Jesus did, this is a great example of how humans are to operate in a very healthy manner. So even if I know something good is going to, to come from whatever I'm going through, it doesn't mean I don't feel the feelings that are appropriate for that moment. So Jesus knew that he would heal Lazarus and that that story would go on to inspire billions of people from then, there forward in, in, in time and history. And so Jesus knew so much good was going to come out of the death of Lazarus. But in the moment, he was fully human. And that moment deserved tears. And Jesus was willing, willing to fill them. So there are, there are about four basic feeling realms. We call it sad, mad, glad, and scared. So we have all the different feelings in the sad group, which is tearfulness, upset, melancholy, depression, um, all, all, those, you know, all those different versions of sad. And then we have mad. And in that mad grouping, we have anger, we have irritation, we have vengeance, we have um, irritability irate feelings. We have all raging feelings. We have all the entire spectrum that would be in that mad group. Then we have glad and all the feelings that are in glad. Exuberant, happy, inspired, motivated, excited, um, cheerful. And then we have scared. And in the scared column, we have apprehension, um, fear, anxiety, trepidation, terror, all those things that you might want to, that you would find, not want, but find in that column. And so whenever we talk to clients about really understanding their emotions, I'm going to say to them, well, what, what do you think they're feeling, you're feeling? And they say, I, I don't know. I say, well, 
sad, mad, glad, or scared. And they say, well, I'm feeling confused. And so I say to them, well, let's break down that feeling. Because generally confusion is a combination of sad, mad, glad, and scared. So I'm confused because I might be feeling scared and mad at the same time. I might be feeling happy and sad at the same time. So I'm, I'm happy, I'm relieved, I'm, I'm rejoicing with the fact that my loved one who has been fighting a terrible illness has, has passed, finally passed, and is in heaven. I'm happy, but I'm so sad, and I'm so mad at the disease that killed them, or maybe the way they were treated in the hospital, whatever it may be. So we really, as we are understanding emotions, we're learning to break them down. Another thing about feelings, feelings are always okay. They are neither good or bad. The only thing that is good or bad about a feeling is how I manage it. So if I am super angry, if I am super unforgiving, if I am super disgusted, if I am feeling guilty and shamed because of bad behavior, Those feelings are not bad. Those feelings indicate something. What I do with my anger, that might be something that's subject to judgment. Feelings that have not been accepted and felt, it's really important. They will recycle in unproductive thoughts and more bad behavior. So if I know I'm angry and I don't want to deal with it and I refuse to deal with it and I stuff it, pretend like it's not there. Well, first of all, I've added one, one initial offense. Now I'm lying. No, I'm not mad. I know you've done that. I've done that. We've all done that. So we're going to practice this. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next half of the show as we talk about managing our emotions. 1360 KPXQ, Faith Talk Radio. Well, welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyde. If you're just joining, you are listening to 1360 KPXQ Faith Talk. So glad that you are joining me today. And you can certainly visit my website at CynthiaHyatt.com. That is C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. And listen to the show in its entirety. I am also love to do... um, speaking and, and singing for any of your organizations or groups or churches. So if you're looking for a keynote speaker, a conference leader, a seminar um, leader, absolutely contact me through the website and we will get that set up. And we can either do any of the show, any of the topics that are listed on the website, or we can create one for you as well. So we are talking about this whole idea of emotions in motion, managing your emotions. And what is that really about when it comes to feelings? So in the last segment, we talked about feelings are a basic unit of the human experience, and they are avoidable, unavoidable. There is no way to not have a feeling. And so even though we try hard as we may, if we really avoid having a feeling, like stuffing it, denying it, overlooking it, it will get bigger. And a lot of times I tell people, especially those of us here in Arizona, if you are listening from out of state, you can still probably relate to this analogy. Feelings are like having a tuna fish sandwich in a Tupperware container. In, and you put it in the back seat of your car because you forgot to take it up that day to your office. And your car is sitting in the parking lot in 120 degree heat in Arizona for eight hours. And you come back to your car 
and that is not a good thing. It may have even exploded. And so this is what feelings do when we just tuck them away and ignore them. The tuna fish sandwich in and of itself was not bad until it sat in Tupperware in the heat for eight hours. Then it became really bad. So we don't want to avoid our feelings. They just get bigger when you do that. I wish, I wish it was not that way. And we also have four basic feeling realms, which is sad, mad, glad, and scared. And all the feelings from one end of the continuum to mildly irritated to raging in the mad column. And in the sad column, mm, a little melancholy to despondent, despairing, can't stop crying, inconsolable. So if you look at those four feeling realms and you're not really sure which, which feeling you're having, you might say, I'm feeling confused. Well, usually what we find is that, that feelings come in clusters. So I may be happy and sad at the same time. I may be really angry and really sad at the same time. I may be afraid and happy. Like I'm getting married, I'm really afraid to do this, but I'm really excited and happy at the same time. So we want to make sure that we feel the feelings deeply until they are finished, until they take their course. Now, a lot of what, how we think directly affects how big or little that feeling is. So as I think about a feeling, I can either exaggerate it or I can help to dissipate it. And it has everything to do with how I think. Directly stating feelings and directly stating your wants usually solves problems. Now, it may get complicated with the other person you're talking to, but for you, that's, that can solve problems for you. And what we also want to think about is what we resist runs us. You cannot outrun your feelings because everywhere you go, there you are, right? So feelings are physical energy. And th this is one of the most amazing things when people realize that feelings are not thoughts. So we think about our feelings. We talk about our feelings. But our feelings are actually in our body. They're physical energy. Now, we have emotions in our brain. And this is, we're not going to really unpack that one. But, the, but what happens in the brain is that it ends up manifesting in the body. So how we feel is in our body. It's in our cells. It's in our muscles. It's in our gut. It's in our heart. And so we want to make sure that we understand that if we're having a physical feeling, that we have to manage it physically, which means I have to breathe, I have to walk, I have to run, I have to hit a pillow, I have to journal, I have to, do so I have to talk, I have to do something to process through that physical state. And one of the things that helps with anger is if I relax my body. Now, if, I am, I am, if it helps also tremendously with fear. So we want to really make sure that what is going on in my body, where is that feeling in my body, and what is it telling me? So as we really work on this whole idea of feelings, we're going to talk in the next segment. We have a couple of minutes before this one ends. We're going to talk about what an emotionally healthy person is. And I want to, before we do that, I want to take a little bit of time again and talk about this idea of feelings versus thoughts and how they emanate into action. 
So this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we talk about your feelings. This is Cynthia Hyatt, and you are listening to Conversations with Cynthia. So I'm glad you're here with me today. And we are talking today about feelings and emotions. And wow, that's always a really big topic. And many of us really wish we didn't have them. I know I've been there before where I just thought, man, what would it be like to be Data on Star Trek? You know, or what would it be like to be Spock? We saw what it was like to be Spock. He was very, very conflicted. And so what you want to think about is this is part of being made in the image of God. And God is a very emotional God. He's a very emotional being. And so we talked about that, Madam, verse in John chapter eleven thirty-five about when Jesus wept. And that was Jesus being fully God, fully human. And that was Jesus feeling feelings, God feeling feelings in a human body. And we left off in the last segment understanding that feelings are physical. Feelings happen in our physical body. They're not just up in our brain rattling around as our thoughts are. Now, our thoughts can produce feelings. Our feelings can, conversely, produce thoughts. And so they, they work together, and we manage our feelings with our thoughts. We manage our feelings with our actions. So many times when we have a feeling that is maybe inappropriate, that might be compulsive, that might be what we would consider a negative feeling or a sin— One of the ways we combat that feeling is by not acting on it or acting in a way that is healthier. So if I'm working on managing my food and I want to sit down at the TV and I want to just watch TV. And so I'm wanting the physical sensation of food. What might be the feeling behind that? Maybe I'm sad about something. Maybe I'm mad about something. Maybe I'm hurt. Maybe I'm scared. Maybe I'm anxious. And so I don't know what to do with myself. And so I just want to do some mindless eating. Maybe I'm embarrassed or ashamed. Maybe I crossed a line at the office that day and and I feel like everybody's thinking bad thoughts about me. Maybe I really committed a sin. Like of a a very, very significant manner. Well, maybe I'm wanting to self-medicate in some way. So I'm having all these feelings of upset or, or nervousness or anxiety or shame, fear, doubt. And so my action that I want, my sinful nature wants to drink, maybe. Maybe it wants to just zone out on television. Maybe it wants to eat. Maybe it wants to do all three of those together, right? So I can combat those feelings with a positive action. So I might do something like saying to myself, I am going to go walk around the mall for a while and I'm not going to take my credit cards in with me. I'm just going to, I'm just going to get out of my house or I'm going to walk around the block or I'm going to go take a shower. I'm going to go take a long bath. I'm going to go pet the dog or pet the cat. I'm going to go call a friend, not necessarily have to talk to them about why I'm calling them. I'm just going to distract myself. So when we're working on managing feelings, we understand that it is a couple of different things that go into the management of it. So when we look at 
what an emotionally healthy person is. I want you to hear this one. This is a person that does not, for some conscious reason, hurt himself or others through his actions or his words. An emotionally healthy person helps himself and others through his actions and his words. That's an emotionally healthy person. And if you're just joining in, we've been talking about the idea that feelings, all the different feelings we have, create our emotions. And our emotions are very unique to us. Why we feel what we feel, how we feel, and how long it lasts, how big it is, is unique to us. So let's look at another thing that emotionally healthy people do. They have a sense of freedom of choice. Emotionally healthy people are not bound or compelled by their emotions. They can detach to a certain degree from their emotion and say, man, this is what I really want to do. This is how I want to act out my feelings. Is that really going to help me? Is that going to create more stress and more emotions for me? So an emotionally healthy person has the ability to contain the feeling they have, identify the feeling, manage the feeling, and decide what to do with the feeling. Now, I do say to you, this is really a grown-up endeavor. Our whole entire childhood, part of, our, part, part of that in, entire childhood is about learning how to do this, and the majority of us did not do that. We either didn't have parents that knew how to do it, they didn't know how to teach it, they didn't take time, whatever. But we do know is that we are not raised in our country to manage our feelings. We are, ma- we are taught to feel them, express them many times, and not ever judge how a person expresses their feelings. We are not taught how to work our way through a feeling, how to come out on the other side better. And so emotionally healthy people have a freedom of choice. They can choose what to do. They have time and they take time and they can delay their responses and reactions. An emotionally healthy person has a high degree of inner security. Consequently, they don't depend on destructive defense mechanisms. Now, what would a destructive defense mechanism be? Shutting down, swearing at somebody, throwing things, not showing up for work, storming out of a restaurant, um, any of the addictive uh, processes is, is a maladaptive way or a defense mechanism, projecting onto other people, deflecting, laughing when it's inappropriate, um, having an emotional breakdown in front of everybody, any of these types of things, when you think about what is a destructive defense mechanism, harming myself. So emotionally healthy people have a great degree of inner security. They have accepted themselves at a very gut level. They don't judge themselves. And that's the power. God does not judge me. That was done with Jesus on the cross. God wants to help me with the way that he made me. And he made me to be an emotional person. So an emotionally healthy person can delay gratification. I can sacrifice in the moment for the goal I have in the future. So if I want a different car and I'm saving money, then an emotionally healthy person is able to withstand 
and able to delay gratification. I'm able to say, I'm not going to go to dinner tonight and spend all that money because I really do want to buy that car next year. An emotionally healthy person is able to evaluate and validate their own emotional reality. Evaluate it and validate it. So that means that I evaluate what's going on with me. Wow, am I mad, sad, glad, or scared? And if I say, well, I'm, I'm mad, that's what I am. I'm really mad. In fact, I am really, really, really mad. So I can validate that. Now, validating my feelings doesn't mean I'm going to go do that feeling. Validating my feeling doesn't mean it's true. And I can't tell you how often on this show we've talked about this, but I, I talk all day, every day about feelings. And one of the things that I constantly am saying to clients and to myself Feelings are very real. They are not always true. Our feelings are intended for us to experience life. They are not intended to be believed all the time. We need to challenge our feelings. The same way I say to my clients and to myself, we need to challenge our thoughts. I don't believe everything I think. And I don't believe everything I feel. I do honor what I feel. It's telling me something. It's indicating something. And I really want to honor it. It's part of my identity. But it doesn't mean I believe it and then subsequently act on it. So an emotionally healthy person is flexible, is willing to learn from experiences without shaming and guilting themselves. An emotionally healthy person is able to make a mistake and just go, oh, that was dumb. That was a bonehead move. I hope you can forgive me for that. I don't like how I handled that situation. Or, you know... I really need to talk to you about this because I didn't do that right. Or I've been harboring some really negative feelings towards you that are not founded in any fact, and I need to ask for your forgiveness. I've been judgmental towards you. That's what emotionally healthy people do. Emotionally healthy people don't have to be embarrassed of who they are. They might be embarrassed of what they do. Trust me, I'm embarrassed about some things I do. But I'm not embarrassed about who I am. God is very happy with me. He's not happy with everything I do, but he's very happy with me. God loves me. He doesn't love everything I do. So emotionally healthy people take interest in constructive and challenging aspects of life. And they do this with enthusiasm and they grow. So emotionally healthy people really have interest in doing healthy things. They want to challenge themselves. They want to grow. They want to put themselves out there, even if it's somewhat embarrassing or somewhat exposing. An emotionally healthy person is truly able to accept himself or herself and truly accepts his fellow human beings and identifies with all mankind. See, an emotionally healthy person knows that if I were maybe in their situation, maybe I would feel the same way. That doesn't make it okay. It doesn't mean we're going to create law on it. It doesn't mean we're going to believe all of it. But it it does mean we're going to validate it. And validating somebody's feelings means I care about them. It might not mean I agree. And see, this is the thing about adults versus children. Adults can do contradictory things at the same time. So I can feel very badly about your pain. I can hate the fact that you feel the way you feel. I can care about how you feel, but it doesn't mean that I agree with how you feel. It doesn't mean I like how you feel. 
It doesn't mean I want to encourage how you feel, but it does mean I care about how you feel. And I say to you, wow, when I look at it through your eyes, it makes sense why you feel the way you feel. Let's talk about a bigger picture. Let's talk about a more global picture. So when, when I am talking to myself, to friends, to family, my clients, I'm wanting to truly understand their feelings. Why would they be feeling this in this situation? That's part of intimacy. It doesn't mean that I have to feel the same. And when we talk about the whole idea of growing up and, and adults versus children, one of the things we talk about is children want to be the same. They want to feel the same, talk the same, walk the same, act the same, think the same. Adolescents want to have identity, so they do everything opposite of their parents. What adulthood is, adulthood means I can have some similarity with you and some difference with you, and we can still be in relationship, and I can still love you, and I can still like you. So we're coming up to the very end of the hour. I'm so glad that you spent your time with me today. And I want to encourage you, if you are just tuning in, to go to the website at CynthiaHyatt.com. And make sure that you listen to the show in its entirety. And next week, we are talking about anxiety. And really what anxiety is and what fear and anxiety is through the eyes of God and how he wants us to handle fear and anxiety. And so I want you to end this with an emotionally healthy person is one who is committed to a principle that is higher than himself, higher than herself, such as faith in God. Emotionally healthy people can handle not understanding everything and not having to dumb everything down to a point that it may not be true, but it feels better. So emotionally healthy people manage the emotions they, they have. They don't try to push them away, stuff them, hide from them, ignore them, deny them. They actually embrace the feelings that they have. God does not judge you for any feeling that you may have. He only judges you on what you may be doing. And so what we want to say to God is, help me with my feeling. It wants to lead me to some bad behavior. So this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Have a great week, and, we'll, and join me next week. We hope this past hour has been encouraging, motivating, and inspiring to you. We'd like to remind listeners that this show isn't a replacement for professional counseling or therapy. The messages and teachings shared during this show are given as a way to teach listeners with ideas and insights about how to become your own best version. Cynthia is available as a keynote or guest speaker for corporate or spiritual events. To contact Cynthia, go to CynthiaHyatt.com. If you missed any part of this program, you can hear a replay at any time at FaithTalk1360.com. Join us again next Sunday at 4 p.m. for Conversations with Cynthia on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ.